Tithing is a sign that your priorities are in order, that God is first in your life, and that you're trusting Him to provide for you. Today on Turning Point, Dr. David Jeremiah takes a closer look at tithing, a practice he calls a watershed event when it began in his life, and one every believer ought to embrace. Get ready to stretch your faith as David introduces today's message, To Tithe is to Trust. Well, thank you for joining us today. Thank you for being with us on this first day of a new week and the last day of the first month of 2022. Uh, Today, we're going to talk about a principle that has literally changed my life and the lives of others as well. It's the idea of giving the first 10% of your income to God. It's called tithing. I always laugh because people sometimes have said to me they tithe 5%, which is not possible. Because the word tithe means 10%. You can't 10%, 5%. <laughs> so what we're talking about here is making the decision that you're going to give the first fruits of your, of your livelihood to the Lord. And the little benchmark is 10%. People ask me all the time, should I tithe on the gross or the net? And I always ask them a question, which one do you want to be blessed on? And that usually settles it. So... Today, we're going to talk about that. I know a lot of people say, well, that's Old Testament. That doesn't, well, it may be an Old Testament principle, but it's a principle that is very, very valuable in the principle of teaching how to give. I don't know anyone, I don't really know anyone who regularly gives uh, proportionately to the Lord in the New Testament, who, who didn't start out by tithing. That's where you start. And today, we're going to talk about that um, and how it can be life-changing. You'll get to the point, ultimately, where you'll just know God is blessing you. He's rewarding you so much that it just becomes automatic. And, you know, the principle isn't that God gives us and then we get back and we give him and then he gives us. It's not a trading program. Here's how it works. God entrusts us with some of his resources to manage. And when he sees that we manage them well, he gives us more. So the more we manage well, the more we are allowed to manage. If we're faithful in a few things, God makes us ruler over other things, many things, says the Scripture. So open your heart to this truth. Don't turn off the radio. No, 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 we're not going to listen to this Baptist preacher talking about money. You know I don't do that. It's not what I do. But I do teach this because I know what it will do for your life if you put it into practice. So listen up. This is Malachi chapter 3. The tithe is to trust. Over the years, as we've studied the scriptures, we've discovered that God has some really important things to say in his word about what we do with our talent, our time, and our treasure. Someone has estimated that 15% of Jesus' teaching was about money and possessions. If I preached as much about money and possessions as Jesus did, I would have to devote seven Sundays to teaching on stewardship Before I talk to you about what the prophet Malachi taught the people of his day about tithing, I want to explain to you what tithing is. I do this every year because every year I hear people misusing that term. Tithing is not just a general way to say you give. The word tithe means 10%. You can't tithe 5% of your income. That's a misnomer. You can't tithe 11%, although that's tithing plus. When we talk about tithing, we're talking about giving 10% of what you have to the Lord every time you receive your check. Now, the title of today's message is, To Tithe is to Trust. And I'm going to get a little cute with you, if you'll allow me. 
My message spells out the word trust. Every point starts with a different letter, T-R-U-S-T, trust. And the first letter is T, treat God as our top priority. That's the first, that's the beginning. The Israelites that Malachi addressed in his book, by the way, which is the last book in the Old Testament, they had come home to Jerusalem to rebuild the temple and the city. Now, you got to get the context here. They had failed God miserably, and God was done with it. And so he, he allowed the Babylonians to come and take them away, and they were captives of the Babylonians for 70 years. Now, most people would say, if you got a 70-year prison sentence for having done wrong, when you got out, you'd probably try not to do the same things that got you put in in the first place. Not. The Israelites went back. They went back home, and in a short time, they were doing the very same things that had gotten them in trouble the first time. And God decided that he would commission one of his preachers to go and communicate with them. And Malachi was God's man for that moment because the people of Israel had really, they had taken advantage of the grace of God. So he went to talk to these people, and one of the problems they were having was they weren't paying their tithes. Tithe was really important in the Israelite economy. So here's what he said to them, Malachi 3.8. Well, a man rob God, but you have robbed me. But you say, in what way have we robbed you? Malachi said, you've robbed God in tithes and offerings. Now that verse should get our attention. I'm sure it got the attention of the people uh, in Malachi's day. It is pointed, it is emphatic. You are robbing me, God told the Israelites. In other words, God didn't just say their giving was sinful, it was robbery. Now I looked that up. And the word robber is shocking. A robber is different from a thief. A thief usually steals secretly and the victim doesn't know about it until after it's been stolen. A robber is not only unusually seen by the victim, often injures or threatens the victim in the process of his robbery. The problem with the people in Malachi's day was they wanted the blessings of God upon them, which they were missing. And one of the things they weren't doing, they weren't doing what God told them to do. Why would God say they were robbing him? Here's the point. Because what they were doing wasn't with their own money. Everything belongs to God, as we shall see in a few moments. When we don't do with what God gives us, what he tells us to do, we're not being faithful. And that's what Malachi was saying. So he gets into this discussion with them. And then he says this, verse 8 and verse 14. When you offer the blind as a sacrifice, is that not evil? When you offer the lame and the sick, is it not evil? Offer it to your governor. Would he be pleased with you? Would he accept you favorably, says the Lord of hosts? But cursed be the deceiver who has in his flock a male and takes a vow, but sacrifices to the Lord what is blemished, for I am a great king, says the Lord of hosts. Here's what's going on. The Old Testament law said that the Jewish people didn't tithe with money because they didn't use money as we do. They tithed with the commodity of their day, which was their agriculture and their livestock. And God said part of their tithing was to find a male in their flock who was spotless, the very best that they had, and bring that to God as an offering. Well, once again, the people of Malachi's day wanted the blessing of God. They didn't want the process. So what they would do, they would go out into their flock and find the mangiest old creature they could find. It was half dead. They'd tie a rope around his neck and bring him to God. 
And Malachi said that God doesn't like that. And you wouldn't get away with that if you were trying to do it with your governor. That is what he was saying when he was saying they were robbing. They were taking away from God what belonged to him. Here Malachi points out that when they brought an animal or sacrifice to the Lord, instead of bringing the best of the flock, they brought the worst, weak, sick, or blind animal. And Malachi says those who did that were not in the will of God. Now, here's the deal. When you want to do something that's the best for God, you've got to do it. There's no shortcut, and you can't fool God. You can't say, God, here's my best, and it's a mangy critter. God knows everything. So if we're going to bring our best to him, we have to bring our best. It takes work and sacrifice to bring your best to the Lord. Did you know that? Sometimes you have to give up things that you might want to do. You have to give up time, maybe to come to choir or orchestra practice or take classes to give God your best. I don't think God is pleased when we give him our leftovers. That's what the Jewish people were doing, and God did not like it. Tithing is, first of all, trust. It's one of the clear ways we can tell whether we are putting the Lord first or not. Number two, we return to God what is properly his. It's easy to think that when we pray, Lord, I'm going to give you my money, we're actually giving God our money. But it's not our money. It's God's money. We think, I worked, I earned, the money is mine, and I'm going to give my money to God. But you didn't really work that way, because if God wasn't in your work, you couldn't work. You work with energy that comes from food, that came from the ground, where miraculous things happen to cause life to spring forth. God gives you that product. He gives you that produce. He gives you that energy, and everything you have came from him. Everything originates with God. That's a really important principle. And the Bible tells us that in so many verses. Here are just three. Psalm 24, 1 says, The earth is the Lord's, and all its fullness, the world and those who dwell in it. The psalmist said, the earth belongs to God. Everything in the earth belongs to God. All the people in the world belong to God. Everybody who dwells in the world, they belong to God. Psalm 50.10 says, every beast of the forest is mine, and the cattle on a thousand hills. He owns all the cattle. He owns all the beasts. And Haggai 2.8 says, the silver is mine, and the gold is mine, says the Lord. God owns everything. Everything we have belongs to God. Everything we claim is ours is owned by God. So we don't have to lose sleep about losing anything because we don't own anything, right? So if you're having a tough time, tell the Lord. Lord, your stocks aren't doing all that great these days. Maybe you could help me out here. We get so hung up on this because we misunderstand that we have to take care of stuff that we own. And we just are managing what God has given to us. And you want to know how I can prove that? One of these days we're not going to be here. Guess what? Somebody else will be managing what you're managing right now. You know, there aren't any shrouds in a casket. There's no U-Haul that's behind a hearse. You don't get to take it with you. So what happens to it? Well, you managed it during your time. Now it's either managed or mismanaged by the people who follow you. What we have, God gives us. We manage it in his behalf while we're here. And part of the management is he wants us to make sure we keep our priorities straight by giving back to him the first 10% of everything that he gives us. So if we're doing that, we know the blessing that comes from it. Tithing is just returning to God what is already his. So that's the T and the R. Here's the U. Understand God's promise to provide. There are two parts to understanding God's promise. First of all, God promised to provide for his work. 
How did the Jewish people get along? How did they take care of the temple? How did they take care of the priests and the Levites and the worship and all of the rest? Well, Malachi 3.10 says, Bring all the tithes into the storehouse that there may be food in my house. If the Israelites, said God, would just bring their tithes into the storage rooms of the temple, God would respond by pouring out provision for them. There would be plenty of resources to support the temple, the priests, the Levites, and all the work of God that went on in the services of the temple. And the same is true for the church. Churches will not live in a state of need or financial crisis when their members are regularly tithing to the Lord. There will be adequate resources for spreading the gospel, ministering to members, and supporting staff who work full-time in the church's ministry. We support the work of God the way He has instructed us to do it. We do it faithfully, whether it's a pandemic or not. In fact, when it looks like we might be needed more, we give more. And we don't become a container for what God gives us. We become a channel. I've told you once before that one of the reasons God doesn't bless some churches is because they want to keep everything they get. We don't want to do that. We're not containers. We're channels. God gives this money to us, and we channel it to the place where it's needed. And we do it first so we don't lose sense of how important it is to support the missionaries. He doesn't bless a building. He blesses the people who are in the building. He blesses you and me because we do what is right. We're all a part of the church, and so the church is blessed. Now, God promises to provide for his work, but he also provides for his workers. Malachi 3.10 says, Try me now in this, says the Lord of hosts, if I will not open for you the windows of heaven and pour out for you such blessing that there will not be room enough to receive it. What is God saying? God is saying that he wants to bless you. He wants to bless me abundantly. We shouldn't just tithe because it's a responsibility or because somebody says we should do it. If we don't tithe, we short-circuit what God wants to do in our lives. I can tell you that for sure. When you give the first to God and you try your very best to find ways to give more than that to God, He just keeps giving you more. You say, well, why does He do that? It's not a trading. You know, God isn't in the trading business. You give me some, I'll give you some back. No, it's real simple. The Bible says... God looks to see if we're going to be faithful over a few things, and if we're faithful over a few things, what will he do? He'll make us ruler over many things. So let's take David Jeremiah as an illustration. God looks down on me. He knows what I have. He sees how I'm using it. And if he sees that I'm faithful in reflecting the priorities of the kingdom with the way I use my resources, guess what he's going to do? He's going to entrust more to me. So that explains why when you give to God, it looks like you're becoming more prosperous. You really are, but you're becoming more prosperous because God sees he can trust you with what he puts in your hands. Now, if God has given you something and you're hoarding it all for yourself, don't expect him to give you more. Would you do that if you were the manager? Would you say, look at that guy, giving him to manage this and he's hoarding it all for himself. I think I'll trust him with some more. No, he won't, but he will if he sees you're faithful. And it's a growing process, and it's a wonderful thing to observe in your own life and also in the lives of other people. I've heard countless testimonies through the years of the unexpected ways God blesses his people. Listen to this proverb, Proverbs 3, 9, and 10. Honor the Lord with your possessions and with the first fruits of all your increase, so your barns will be filled with plenty and your vats will overflow with new wine. 
And Jesus said it this way, Give and it will be given to you, good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over, will be put into your bosom. For with the same measure that you use, it will be measured back to you. God just loves to pour out his blessings on his people. He's the one that originated this saying in Philippians chapter 4, My God shall supply all your needs according to his riches in glory by Christ Jesus. So God wants to bless us abundantly, and the reason he blesses us abundantly is he observes that we're being faithful with what he has entrusted to us. And for most people, that starts with becoming a tither. That's the beginning place. But God also wants to bless you materially. There's a really interesting verse in Malachi. It's kind of hard to apply to our day because it's really totally agricultural. But God says through Malachi in verse 11 of chapter 3 that when they will be faithful with their tithing, God would rebuke the devourer for your sakes so that he will not destroy the fruit of your ground, nor the vine fail to bear fruit for you in the field, says the Lord of hosts. By promising to rebuke the devourer, God was saying that he would not only provide for those who were faithful, he would protect them. God would keep them from losing the profit. Like if a pandemic came, he would still provide for them as he has for us. God is good in keeping his promises. And he went on to say in his message that if they would follow God's instructions, that all nations would call them blessed, for they would be a delightful land, says the Lord of hosts. Here's what I know, men and women. I know this with all of my heart. If you honor God with your money, God will so bless you that people will know it was nobody but God. They won't come and say, oh, look how hard you're working, all that you have. No, they'll have a sense that something's different about you. There's something different about Christians who trust themselves to God. Wise planning, good luck, you're not there mostly because of that. You are where you are, I am where I am, because God has been good. So let me encourage you, trust God, and know that when you do, He is going to provide for you. The Bible says that the blessing of the Lord makes one rich, and He adds no sorrow with it. If a church is blessed, it's only because the people are blessed. God promises to bless those who honor Him. So treat God as your top priority, T. Return to God what is properly His, R. Understand God's promise to provide, U. And then number four, share in God's kingdom plans. When you bring your tithes and offerings to the Lord, something bigger than the sum of the individual happens, and it's exciting to see. I mean, I can't give $4 million to worldwide missions but I can participate in it with other people, and together we can do that. I can't build a building over here that we needed so desperately, but together we can do it. You see, in our candlelight service, we talk about us being a city on a hill. When all of our lights shine together, we are a pretty bright light. And when we come together as God's people and we're faithful in the basics, all of a sudden we begin to see God doing things we never anticipated. When we do the right thing with God's investment, He not only blesses us individually, He blesses us corporately, so that what Malachi said was, all nations will call you blessed. Not because of anything I've done, or anything any one of us have done individually, it's blessed because of what we do together. And when we do it together, it is so amazing what God is able to do. Finally, here's the last one. T, test God's power in our lives. Malachi 3.10 says, 
Try me now in this, says the Lord of hosts. You know, I think I'm right about this because I've really studied this and tried to find if there was any other place. But I don't think there's any other place in the Bible where God asks us to try him, to test him, to prove him. I mean, a lot of people think their whole role is to prove themselves to God. God wants to prove himself to us. He says, try me now in this. In what? In the tithing. Try me and see what happens. Test me. God is not selling us his blessing for 10%. God is not for sale. But God is looking for people not of great wealth, but of great faith. And he says, if you will try me, if you will have the faith to believe me, that if you trust me with the first of what I have given to you, I will bless you. You try me. You test me. The only way to test God is to actually take him at his word and do it. You have to try it. God is going to honor you if you honor him. And if that puts you in a tighter financial binding for a little while, that's even more important because he'll show you the way out and take you to higher places. You don't want to bring God a maimed sheep. You don't want to bring God some critter of your financial background. You want to bring God your best. Bring him your first. Bring him the very best you have. People think they have to get their priorities in order before they begin to tithe. Let me tell you, that's exactly backwards. Begin to tithe and your priorities will get in order. Everybody tells me that. Until I put God first, I didn't know what was second, third, or fourth. (laughs) But when I put God first, everything began to fall into order. And I discovered I was much more effective with the 90% that I kept than I ever was with the 100% before I started tithing. Romans tells us that God did not spare his own son, but delivered him up for us all. How shall he not with him also freely give us all things? God has promised to bless us. Here's one I want to ask you. You're a Christian. Maybe you've struggled with this. Let me ask you this question. Do you believe God has saved you? Yes. Do you believe he's forgiven your sin? Yes. Do you believe that when you die, he can take you to heaven? Yes. Well, what I'm asking you to trust God for is way less than any of that. Trust him that he will care for you if you give him the first 10% of what he entrusts to you. If you do that, you will discover that God always keeps his promise. He never overpromises. He always does what he says he will do, and he will not stop doing that with you. Some of you say, well, this has always been a struggle for me. Every year I come and I listen. Somehow we never get it done. Well, let me tell you, if you're looking for an easy way, there isn't an easy way. There's just an obedient way. This is what God said. Just do it. Start doing it. Start next week. Start the next time you get a check. From now on, No matter what, God is going to get the first percent of my income in response to his word. And then just watch. Watch what he does. He will bless you. I promise you that. I don't know how. It may not be financially. It'll be some way. I believe that with all my heart. The Bible teaches that. If you'll do it, God will bless you too. And he doesn't forget. God never forgets. He doesn't let you uh, do what he tells you to do and then forget his part. God never outpromises himself. He keeps all of his promises. And um, we know that to be true. You know, every once in a while, um, people will say something to me about teaching this as being Old Testament. And I've made the observation over the years, no one has ever questioned teaching tithing uh, in the New Testament because they wanted to give more than a tithe. They always question it because... They don't want to give that much. Well, when you think about what God has done for you and you look at the percentages of your income, 10% isn't 
that much. And let me just be clear about it, friends. This doesn't belong to Turning Point. This belongs to your local church. When you tithe, you give the first 10% to the local church. If God blesses you and you want to help us with over and above giving, that's fine. But don't take your tithe and send it to us. We don't want your tithe. Your tithe belongs to the local church, to the church you attend. And when you give that to them and then have other monies that you want to distribute, and hopefully we're on that list, we're grateful. Well, um, we are going to um, begin a new series tomorrow called The Courage to Conquer. It's passages in the Bible that, well, that challenge us to be courageous. Never has there been the necessity for courage like there is now. So let's find the strength we need from God's Word. One last time, if you have an order the prayer code, make sure you send a gift today and ask for it. It's yours for a gift of any size, but ask for your copy when you send your gift today. Have a great day. For more information about Dr. Jeremiah's special messages on stewardship, please visit our website where you'll also find two free ways to help you stay connected. Our monthly magazine, Turning Points, and our daily email devotional. Sign up today at davidjeremiah.ca slash radio. That's davidjeremiah.ca slash radio. Or call us at 800-946-4300. Ask for your copy of O.S. Hawkins' latest book, The Prayer Code. 40 scripture prayers every believer should pray. It's yours for a gift of any amount. You can also purchase the Jeremiah Study Bible in the English Standard, New International, and New King James versions, available in several durable and stylish cover options. Get all the details when you visit our website, davidjeremiah.ca slash radio. This is David Michael Jeremiah. Join us tomorrow as we begin the series, Courage to Conquer here on Turning Point with Dr. David Jeremiah. Turning Point's new 365-day devotional Every Day with Jesus is available now, filled with inspirational readings from Dr. David Jeremiah and paired with Scripture. It will encourage you each day in your walk with God. This popular resource is yours with a gift of any amount in support of this program. And when you give a generous gift of $120 or more, you'll receive four copies so you can share them with others. Learn more at davidjeremiah.ca. That's davidjeremiah.ca. In all we do each day, Dr. David Jeremiah and Turning Point work to make a global impact for the kingdom of God. But we can't do it alone. That's where Bible Strong Partners come in. These loyal monthly supporters form the foundation of Turning Point, allowing Dr. Jeremiah to teach the whole counsel of God. Partnering with Turning Point enables you to share in the eternal impact of this ministry, leading people to Christ through our media and printed resources, multiplying Bible teaching broadcasts, presenting the gospel around the globe, and strengthening the saints. In appreciation for your partnership, Turning Point wants to provide you with exclusive monthly resources and study guides, member-only communications, an on-demand library of study content, and so much more. Are you ready to see what the Lord will do? Let's expect to change the world together. Go to davidjeremiah.ca slash BibleStrong to become a BibleStrong partner today. That's davidjeremiah.ca slash BibleStrong. Many families have a Thanksgiving tradition that allows each person at the table to express something they are truly thankful for. That tradition calls to mind the French proverb, gratitude is the heart's memory. It's healthy to exercise our heart's memory by expressing our gratitude. 
That tradition also calls to mind the Apostle Paul's admonition to give thanks in everything. The Thanksgiving tradition of expressing thanks could last indefinitely if every person gave thanks for everything. But we have good reason to do just that. Whether joyful or difficult, every experience is used by God for good in the lives of those who love Him. This is David Jeremiah encouraging you to get on the road to new life. Discover God's reasons to give thanks on Route 66. Route 66, driving the word home. Log on to Route66life.com. Start your journey home today.